0: Stand let's have the men that will come Let's just gather around the altar and take this service to the Lord I'm glad that you're here tonight God has something for you tonight you know that He has something for you and let's just open our hearts to what the Lord has Father in the lovely name of Jesus Christ We come to you because we need you And when it desperately needs your touch And we desperately need your presence If there's going to be anything done in this service tonight that will help us to be more like Jesus, then you're going to have to do it. And so, Father, we come before you tonight. God, would you just take control of this service? Would you be Lord of this service? And, Father, would you do something in every heart, my heart, every person that's gathered here, Lord, would you just glorify the name of Jesus Christ? Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for all of your blessings. Now we just look to you and trust you now to work in our hearts. We submit ourselves to you, make ourselves available to you now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: He is Lord. Long-
0: Rushers come forward to receive our offering and uh, encourage you to be faithful in your giving good to have daniel talk with us we'll introduce to him to you right after the offering and higginbotham family i'm looking forward to you meeting them tonight let's pray father bless the offering bless those that give bless the purpose for which we give in jesus name amen It's a joy to have Daniel talk with us tonight. He's from Romania. He's going back to Romania. Let's welcome Brother Daniel. I want him to come
2: say a word, and let's welcome to the service. Oh, it's a blessing to be here tonight, especially because this is God's house. And one day in the Lord's house is worth a thousand any other place. And uh, for me, it's special because if you folks remember, and I have to say this with all my heart, In uh, some years ago, we came here and we were a group. I came from Romania to go to school and I did not have everything I needed with me. And we came over here to this church and you folks have let me experience uh, God's goodness and God's blessings. And I still have some of the things that you folks have given me back then. And I often think about you. So I want to thank you very much. It was an encouragement to me as I have come here didn't know almost anybody. I left everything at home, and here I was I at a new start in, in, in what God was, would have us do in our lives. And you folks have blessed our hearts. Tonight, I want to just share with you that by God's grace, at the age of 17, I heard, the, I, at the, at, at, as a young boy, I heard the gospel. But at the age of 17, I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I want to say that, and also say that when God wants to do something... He doesn't need to ask anybody's permission. I mean, God just does it, and He just does it. I was born into a family of non-believers. For my parents, because they were in the military, under communism, it was illegal for them to go to church. In fact, they had to swear and sign that nobody in the friends, family, or relatives is a Christian. But through the witness of my grandfather, Faithfully witnessing to me, at the age of 17, I made a decision and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Since then, I felt God's burden uh, for the ministry. Uh, To to make another long story short, Temple gave a scholarship, and I came over here, studied in order to prepare for the ministry, and uh, graduated there last year from the seminary. By God's grace, we are going back to Romania. Why am I going back? One... One of the major reasons is because God has called us. If you ever experience as a Christian in your life God's calling, you will have no peace. Whatever the call might be, small, big, whatever, in whatever area of life, you'll have no peace and satisfaction until you do just that, whatever God told you to do. That's why we're going back. That's where God wants us to be, back in Romania. Our, our goals, as we have prayed over the years, are church planning, evangelism, training nationals. Is a great need over there because... Uh, Very few Christian schools there. They just begin to come up. So most of the people are untrained. They're just doing whatever they can. And that's one of our major goals. Uh, Death ministry, jail ministry. uh, These are just doors of opportunity that God has opened in the country of Romania right now. The country as a whole is unstable. Very vulnerable. And so forth. The government is unstable. But nevertheless, we uh, have maintained our Romanian citizenship. And part of, of this great ministry is my wife. I want her to introduce her right now. She's in the back there. Daniela, if you can stand please. She's uh, back there with our uh, newborn baby. Thank you. She's a blessing to my life. She takes care of those two babies, a newborn, Esther too and, and Emanuela, uh, almost, just a little over a month and she takes good care of me too. And she's a blessing to, to, to my life and to our ministry. And she's going to play a very role, important role there. But, um, as I share with you, God has God brought freedom to the country of Romania, and the Romanian people right now are enjoying freedom from the communist government, but not freedom from sin. Now, freedom from communism is good, but let me say, freedom in the hands of lost people is destructive. They don't know what to do with it. John chapter 8 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The Lord Jesus Christ says also, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. Why am I going to Romania? Because I got a message. And the message is, Christ and He is crucified. If the Romanian people will hear it, they will get saved. That's why we are going back. We have a message. I know that you as a church are praying for your missionaries. I want to encourage you, keep on consistently, continuously praying. It will make a difference in their lives. They'll not hear it literally with their ears, but they will know when you folks pray. They can tell when you folks pray. So keep on. Keep on. We have our display in the back. I know many of you folks have been to Romania already. I thank you for that. Not too many people go to Romania. I appreciate you folks as a church going there. And uh, please take one of our prayer cards as a prayer reminder and continue to pray for the Talk family. Thank you so much. God bless you.
1: Everyone, stand tonight, please. Victory in Jesus. We have a lot of visitors with us tonight. Shake hands with the choirs that come by, then just get out, folks. Get out from where you are, move all around the church, shake about 3,000 hands, and go back and sit down again. Page 526, Victory in Jesus. If you need a book, page 526. And the old red ancient
0: the blessings that I have as I travel and go from place to place is is meeting other people it's being in other churches and and uh, meeting other pastors and meeting folks uh, that are visiting in the meetings about a year ago I was in a meeting and I met this family and they sung I was there for a week and they sung every night they were there for the whole meeting and I really just fell in love with them they were a blessing and uh, I appreciate them so much and and then I got to be with them again this week on Wednesday morning in the camp meeting down in uh, Pisgah, Alabama. But uh, I wanted you to get to know them. These folks, they work with the Indians, they different reservations and tribes and different things. the Harley, about with us over there a while ago, I was sharing with us a little bit. And the Choctaw, the Navajo, just many, many different tribes. But uh, these are good folk. And I want you to meet them, I want you to hear them. But I wanted you to get uh, to meet them and know what God is doing. So, Brother Harley you and your family, it's a joy to have you. Thank you for coming. Let's welcome them to the services tonight.
3: I'm not used to Mike did not have a cord on it. And so I had to look to see what was going on here. But folks, it's a joy to be here tonight. I tell you, my heart's been thrilled already. I was just uh, uh, thrilled and, and uh, really when the men meeting about the missions this afternoon, that just blessed my heart to hear them talk. I like to hear missions talk, amen. And uh, to meet the brother that's going to Romania, I pray God will help him get his support together. God has it. Man, I mean, he does. He's the richest one I know. Amen. And he has the money. I mean, and uh, so I'm just praying the Lord to let him get his support up and get on over there. And get the work of the Lord done. If God's called any of you to preach, men, and uh, <laughs> and uh, called you to the mission field, God put a fire in your soul that you just can't put out hardly. And, and you want to just get with it. And I know he wants to get over there. So I just uh, pray God will get his support up for him quickly and he can get on over there. I want to introduce my family before we start because sometimes I'm not ashamed of them. I've just got old timer disease and I forget a lot. And so I want to, where did my wife go? Oh, there she is over there. I, I looking at that other thing. I thought she'd left me. It scared me half to death. Amen. Amen. But that's my wife, Shirley. As I told the talk, talk, we've been married 147 years now. Almost. And uh, one old dear old lady said, I just don't believe that. But anyway, we have been married for about 42 years, I think it is. And I thank the Lord for her. She's ready to go when I'm sometimes not ready to go. And I thank the Lord for that. And then this is our youngest daughter. This is Elena. And then our grandson, Daniel, he's sitting over on the end of the bench over there. He do not want to leave the girls. And he's. Uh, but his mama lives in Kansas, and I just want to say, ask you to pray for her tonight, if you would. Her name's Teresa. She needs the Lord. And, uh, and, and she says she's saved, and I hope that she is, but she uh, has a hard time staying in the saddle for God. And I just pray that the Lord do something to help her. And you ask, we ask you to pray with us. If God brings her to your remembrance, just pray for Daniel's mom, Teresa. And then. This is, I already introduced you, didn't, okay. See, I told you I had that old-timer's disease. Besides that, I'm nervous. as a tomcat on a hot roof. And uh, I'm Brother Harley. Amen. And so I get outvoted most of the time. We do everything baptistic. Daniel's too young to vote. I moderate the meeting. Can't vote unless it's a tie. And there's no way it's going to be a tie between two women.
4: So, amen. What's our first song, Darren? Uh, The old story.
3: Okay. How many of you glad you're saved? This song, I know you've heard it, but you hadn't heard us mess it up, so we're going to try to do it tonight. Amen. A story so old.
5: Oh, no.
4: The old story will never grow old. How Jesus died to save my soul. Oh, no. The old story will never grow old, and that story will never grow old. I went Went to the church house one lonely night. I sat way back, for my soul was not right. The preacher was preaching how Jesus died. For sin-filled world, he gave up his life. Oh, no, the old story will never grow old. How Jesus died to save my soul. Oh, no, the old story will never grow old. And that story will never grow burdens brought peace to my soul. What made my life new
2: was a story
4: so old. Many years have passed by since I met the Lord. I remember that night when the story was told. Time has no hold on the message it brings. This story is old, but it's still blessing me. Oh, no, the old story will never grow old. How Jesus died to save my soul. Oh, no, the old story will never grow old. And that story will never grow old. And that story will never grow old. that story will never grow old.
3: I meet some folk along the way, a lot of Baptists, that by their demeanor, by the look on their faces, it's almost like they're tired of hearing it. Oh, we ought to never get tired of hearing. Amen. Hallelujah to God. I, listen, I'm a, I'm a, trying to be a happy Baptist, amen. <laughs> and I, I'm just old-fashioned. I just ask the Lord to give me liberty wherever I go, and if he gives me liberty, I'm going to take it. Amen. amen. I mean, we would come to church. We ought to come to worship him and adore him. Amen. And, He, boy, I want to tell you, in case you don't know it, he's here tonight.
4: Amen. amen. Boy,
3: hallelujah to God. I like to go to God's house when He's at home. Amen. Glory yeah. to God. Amen. we will do an Indian song for you. It won't be a Kalaja.
6: <laughs>
3: Amen. I mean, a lot of Baptists like that song. I sing Cheating Heart for them once in a while. They don't like getting too well. You know, Cold Cold Heart, some of them, I think they ought to be sung most every Baptist church I go in. <laughs> But I think you're worried if you're saying that, you know, but you know the message I'm trying to get across, amen. (laughs) But amen. We want to do one of the Choctaw Indian language for you. Elena announced it for you in the Choctaw, and then I'll tell you a little bit of what it's talking about, and we'll sing it.
4: Choctaw, Abayashtaloa Italoa Chi, number 21.
3: That's, we're going to sing Choctaw hymn number 21, and the title of it is, Sinner, Can You Hate the Savior? And what the song is saying, the Lord's been so good to us, how could you hate him? And we know according to Exodus chapter 20, people do hate God. And really, we don't have a reason to. The best friend of lost sinners, God is God. Amen. Even if he's not saved, still the best friend he has is God. He's the one that gives him there, he breathes. sense to work a job, the strength to perform it. His family and all of it. But yet most of them don't realize that. Amen. So we want to do a verse or two of this for you. Just want you to, we're missionaries to the North American Indians, like Brother Ken's already said in america mexico and canada we go up in canada six nations indian reservation some and so we want to do this one in the choctaw language for
4: you <laughs> <speaking> 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 Your I my my car. he he took a ho, see, ho, Tokoke. A Tokyo show, a
3: Amen. If sometimes when we're in Mississippi with the Choctaw, or in Oklahoma where we live, we work with the Choctaw a lot there. If you could come over there and come to one of their all-night singings, it's uh, it's uniquely different naturally it would be singing in Choctaw, you know. And, uh, but they sing English too. Amen. They sing a lot of the old Stamps Baxter type songs. Yeah. Yeah, but they get to singing these old Choctaw hymns, and it's a real blessing to hear Amen. them sing in four-part harmony, mm-hmm. these Choctaw hymns. It's just a blessing. Sometimes we sing them in white churches, and even though people don't understand every word, word for word, what we're singing, God still uses it to bless people. Amen. Daniel, come here, son. Tushba. That's a Choctaw word for hurry. (laughs) He doesn't like Choctaw. He goes on Indian time. (laughs) Just whenever he comes and gets around to it. That's when. Amen. But I want them to do a song or two. And he said that somebody wanted him to play the banjo tonight. And you never know because he'll con you into doing it sometimes, you know. And so (laughs) I have to find out for sure. No, I'm just teasing. I thank the Lord for my grandson. He's a blessing to Grandpa. His f- idea of a fun day is to go into a big music store and stay all day and play all the guitars and mandolins and the banjos. That's a fun day for him. I don't play uh, guitar. I play a little bit of guitar with him. I'll try to play the guitar for him in a minute and play the banjo, but he doesn't like me to play. He says, I sound too country. <laughs> He's kind of a bluegrasser type fella, and he says, I play too slow for him. So, But I'm going to play for him anyway because he ain't got nobody else to do it. And if he don't... Quit putting me down like I'm. A, I'm not gonna give him more than a quarter a week.
6: <laughs> Man.
5: Come ye sinners, lost and helpless, Jesus' blood can set you free. For he saved the worst among you when he saved a wretch like me. And I know, no, no, yes I know, no,
4: no, Jesus' blood can make the sinner clean. And then, no, 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 yes, I know, no, no, Jesus' blood can make the body sinner clean. Believe
3: Do us kind of slow it down a little bit in fact, a whole lot and I <laughs> want them to do our testimony song tonight. I appreciate brother uh Ken telling us to do what the Lord wants us to do and take liberty and that's a dangerous thing to tell a preacher or a bunch of singers but i I just I want them to do this. This song blesses my heart. people sometimes ask us. I've had people say, why do you go to them old Indians? Because them old Indians need to be saved. Amen. Don't want to get away from them. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm happy Amen. to be here tonight. But I'd probably be more happy if I was on a some reservation somewhere with just 10 or 15 Indians. That's all we have sometimes. Sometimes not that many. This is a big crowd. I've seen big crowds since I've been in Alabama. It's about scared me to death. I'm about ready to go back <laughs> to Oklahoma. I'm not used to this many people. I mean, I go some reservations. It ain't no hardly no bigger than this. The whole reservation. <laughs> Amen. And uh, but anyway, God put a calling on our life, and He left glory for us. I can't do anything any less than what He wants me to do for Him. And the the song says, "We just want to go tell Him what He's done for us." And I hope you'll enjoy this song called "It's Our Called Hitting the Road." It's not on the road again. That's Willie Nelson. This is another <laughs> song. This is called "Hitting the Road." Hitting
5: the road one more time, leaving the family and friends behind. Sure, never do this for nobody but you. Loaded it for, Walk out the door, get on the bus and then we get on the road. I'd never walk out that door if it wasn't for you. Thank you. you left heaven for me. In the and fries, motel rooms, late nights and long afternoons, sure never do this for nobody but you, string the guitars, focus the lights, get ready for one more night, I'd never walk on the stage if it wasn't for you. You left heaven for me, hit the roads and the shores of Galilee, and gave yourself at Calvary, so I gotta go. gotta go
3: and tell them what you've done for me. You want to fix a strap for me? Fix your strap for me. Now, Daniel's going to lengthen the strap on his guitar so I can try to play rhythm for him when he plays the banjo, but you know, I was thinking while Elena was singing that song. There might be somebody here tonight God's been dealing with about going to the mission for you. Maybe you'd just like to go tell somebody what the Lord's done for you. Oh, what a calling in life to be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd rather be one for my Lord than I had Bill Clinton, Al Gore, George Bush Jr. and George Bush Sr. and all the rest of them. It's the greatest honor in the world just to be saved and be used to the Lord. I thought about that, maybe God's been dealing with somebody this would be a good night for you to surrender. amen. <clears throat> amen. The bible said he looking up on he said he was moved with compassion. He saw the people scattered as sheep having no shepherd. He said he's the Lord of the harvest, it's his harvest folk. we work for him, and we work because of him, but he said The fields are ripened under harvest already. We don't, everybody who hears me preach and everybody we witness to doesn't get saved. I thank God along and along there's enough of them get saved makes me want to keep on keeping on. Amen. Oh, you consider that tonight. I'm not preaching tonight. Brother Ken will do the preaching, but I just want to tell you this tonight. He's worthy of your consideration. You see, one thing he does absolutely demand from all those who he saves is absolute surrender. Whatever it is he has for you to do he demands absolute surrender in our hearts and our lives. And we need to get to the place in our churches across America and I'm telling you I've been saved for 54 years and we need to get back. Need to get to the place where we realize that God's God and Christ is our Lord and he saved us on purpose for a purpose. And we need to surrender our hearts and lives to Him. And we need to say, Lord, just help me to be willing to be willing. Amen. Just help me to be willing to be willing. God will take care of the rest if we'll get Amen. to that place. Because, I mean, God's got something for all of us to do. Amen. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to have to lay this mic down. Ha, <laughs> ha, We got one other song we want to do. I believe the Lord have us to do tonight. That wears me out doing that. (laughs) Amen. I mean, Lord, I can't even hardly think that fast. I got, I got places I hurt now. I didn't know I had when I was a young fella, and it's hard for me to keep up with that. Amen. What's our song? Yeah. No, that's that's it. We're gonna do this one song, and we wanna thank Brother Ken and the church for having us in tonight and ask you to pray for us. We don't, I don't ask folk to pray for our needs unless they want to pray for them. We'd appreciate that, but uh, our, our need, the greatest need we have is you pray we'll stay faithful. I'm not worried about the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy 7th chapter, said He's the faithful God. He's faithful, folk. I'm telling you tonight. Bless His holy name. Hallelujah to God! I mean, He really is faithful. I thought about He said and He prophesied that Israel was going to go down to Egypt, they'd be enslaved there, but He made them a promise that He'd rescue them. A little over four hundred years later, He brought them out of Egypt. It may seem like a long time in the promises. Being fulfilled in your life, but I can guarantee you this, having been saved 54 years, God will never go back on one promise, not one. He'll keep it. It may look to you like he's not on time and he's not going to make it, but Jesus is always right on time. We need to get on his timetable because <laughs> he works that's the only one he works by. He don't work toward my schedule. If he did God be in a mess. But when I surrender to his schedule, everything's all right. Everything's all right. Amen. And he's all we need tonight. You need to be saved. He's all you need. If you're here tonight, saved, and you're not where you ought to be spiritually tonight, he's all you need. If you have a need in your life tonight, spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, or materially, he's all you need. Everything God has for us is all wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the mediator between God and man. And everything God has for you tonight comes through the Lord Jesus Christ because of who He is and what He did for us on the cross of Calvary. I have the victory tonight. Thank God for that. Amen. Pentecostals ain't the only ones that got the victory. Baptists have got it too. If They just realize it. Amen. Thank the Lord. We're going to try to do it. Sing it now. Amen.
5: He's all I need when i just need someone to talk to he's always there to hear my prayer each time i call him all my needs he will supply my thirsty soul He satisfies, He's the Lord of all, and He's all I need, He comforts me when I'm weary, He's my soul's inspiration and my heart's consolation. He's my everything and he's all I need. He's all I need, I dare not turn to any other, for he's a friend that's closer than, oh, any brother on this friend. I'm going to rely to be my strength, as life goes by, oh, he's the Lord of all. And he's all yes. I need. He comforts me when I. Yes, he is. That's closer than yes. Oh any brother yes, On oh, this friend I'm gonna rely To be my strength As life goes by Oh he's the Lord of all And he's all I need He comforts me my heart's consolation He's my everything and He's all I need He's my soul's inspiration Oh He's my heart's consolation He's my everything and He's all
0: all stand and just turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15 while they're praying down here. He is all that we need. Uh, If we'd only realize that, recognize that, that Jesus Christ is all that we need. And we try this and try that and try to go down this route and go down that route, but He is all that we need. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah. Amen. Wasn't the, wasn't the family a blessing to you tonight? Amen. Wasn't it a blessing? I praise the Lord for you. Amen. I appreciate you. I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to keep Daniel around here. Amen. Amen. That's good, Daniel. And I've, in my heart, I've, that's, I, I like Daniel. I have since the first time I saw him, heard him. And heard him play. I like him, but that was a blessing. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15. As you know now for some time, we've been making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. And I want to conclude chapter 15 tonight. And uh, last week, if you remember, we thought about death. And how death's day is coming. But there's one verse left in the chapter that I didn't look at last week. And I started to include it. In our study last week. But this is just one verse that I just just couldn't rush through. It is one that I feel like is worthy of just stopping and thinking about. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And I want us to think tonight on this thought. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Look at the text. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now let me read it to you again. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, be ye unmovable, be ye always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And let's look at these few this one verse tonight. We'll conclude this chapter. And I want us to think about keep on, keeping on. Let's pray. Our Father tonight, I want to thank you for just passing our way tonight. And Father, my heart's been blessed and My heart has been ministered to tonight, and I just thank you for the presence of the Lord and for the presence of God that I have sensed tonight. I thank you so much for just meeting with your children. And I'm mindful tonight, Lord, that it's all grace. Anything you do for us and any act of yours in our direction is just your grace. And I just thank you, Lord, for being gracious to us once again and for just warming our hearts. Our Father, take the Word of God and use it tonight. I pray that you'd use it to speak to all of our hearts. Maybe someone that has been somewhat defeated or discouraged, maybe led astray in some area. Father, speak to them tonight. Speak to all of our hearts and put something in us, Lord, to want to keep on keeping on. Thank you again now for your Word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, Amen. I know many of you that are sports fans, you will remember the name Jim Valvano. He's known as Jimmy V to many sports fans. Uh, Jim Valvano died on April the 16th in 1993 after a year-long battle with cancer. He was but 47 years old. He was the head basketball coach at North Carolina State University in Raleigh. And in 1983, and just want to throw this in here, The year before, the North Carolina Tar Heels won the national championship. But in 1983, he won a national championship upsetting the great Houston Cougar team that featured uh, Hakeem, Elijah Wan, and Clyde Drexler. But a few weeks before he died, Valvano was honored on national TV. And to a vast audience, this is what he said. Today I fight a different battle. You see, I have trouble walking. And I have trouble standing for a long period of time. Cancer has taken away a lot of my physical abilities. Cancer is attacking and destroying my body. But what cancer cannot touch is my mind, my heart, and my soul. I have faith in God and hope that things might get better for me. But even if they don't, I promise you this. I will never, ever give up. I will never quit. And then he pointed to his 1983 championship team and he said, I have learned a great lesson from these guys. They amaze me. They did things I wasn't sure they could do because they absolutely refused to give up. That was the theme of our championship season. Never ever give up. And that's the lesson I learned from them and that's the message I leave with you. Never give up. Never Ever give up. In much the same way, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul is saying, never give up. Never, ever give up. I want to say tonight that the success of any preacher and the success of any church and the success of any believer lies in this matter of never giving up. Of just keeping on, keeping on. Sticking to the task and not letting anything or anyone keep you from being faithful to the task that God has given you and the work that you have to do. When I think about faithfulness and just staying with it, I think about a story I read one time about this young lady in the Salvation Army. And she was ringing her bells uh, to draw attention, to gather funds for Christmas And a policeman approached her and informed her that there was a city ordinance against ringing the bells. And so she could not, she could take contributions, but she could not ring the bells. So the next day she came back and she's at her business as usual. But instead of ringing bells, in one hand she had a sign that said ding. And in the other hand she had a sign that said dong. She didn't stop, amen. But I want to say to you that when it comes to this matter of serving God, don't ever quit. Just keep on keeping on. He begins verse 58 by saying, therefore. And I know you've heard that rule of biblical interpretation that when you see the word therefore, see what it is therefore. And when he's talking about in the verse there in verse 58, he tells us, and the word therefore really tells us that what he's about to say is motivated by what he has just said. You see, in 1 Corinthians 15, as we have spent the several weeks looking at Paul has been talking about Christ's own resurrection and how that his resurrection is the guarantee of our own resurrection. And in the preceding verses of verse 58, he's just talked about the glorious change that believers will experience when the Lord returns. Therefore, in light of what he has said, he now says to us in verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In a nutshell, what Paul is saying is just keep on keeping on. Now, he has reminded them in chapter 15 that on earth there are many burdens. In verse 30, we looked at a few weeks ago, he reminded them of how they stood in jeopardy every hour. You see, these believers lived under the constant threat of persecution and even execution for their faith. Paul is reminding them and had reminded them there are many burdens on earth. But he not only reminds them that there are many burdens on earth, but he tells them that there are many blessings in heaven. For he's told them that one day this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Therefore, in light of the burdens they face, keep on keeping on. And therefore, in light of the blessings we face, keep on keeping on. He is telling them to keep on in the bad times for their good times coming down the road. But what is it about verse 58 and what is it that he's saying to us that I want you to keep on keeping on? I point out three things, jot them down. The first thing that I see Paul saying in this text is this. Don't be easily deceived. Don't. Be easily deceived now when you look at first Corinthians as well as all of Paul's writings You'll find that one of his concerns was the deception of believers in fact back in verse 33 of this very chapter He had plainly stated be not deceived and chapter 6 in verse 9 He had made it made the same statement When he said there, be not deceived. Now, once again, he admonishes the believer against deception. For he says in verse 58, the first thing that he says is, be ye steadfast. You see that? He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Put a circle around the word steadfast for just a moment. The word literally means to be seated, like someone being seated in a chair or whatever there. But the word was used to speak of being settled and being firmly situated. And when it's used here in our text, the ideal is of being settled in your spiritual beliefs. Of being settled in your spiritual beliefs and being settled in your moral beliefs. In other words, if I could put it this way, Paul is saying, don't let anyone deceive you. As a believer, be settled in your faith. As a believer, let no one lead you astray. Be ye steadfast. Be firmly settled in your faith. Now, you'll find as you read the Scriptures that Paul expressed the same ideal on several occasions. For example, in Ephesians 4 and verse 14, he said that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men. Paul said to them, I don't want you to be like a child. I don't want you to be just tossed back and forth like a wave on the sea by the things that you hear. Or to put it another way, he said, don't let every wind of doctrine cause you to waver. Don't, ever let, don't let every new doctrine that comes along to cause you to become unsettled. Don't, ever, don't let every false teacher come along that comes along, leads you or stray or deceive you. In other words, he said, be you steadfast. Be settled in your spiritual beliefs. Be you settled, be you sure in what the Word of God has to say. Now, what does it say to our hearts tonight? Are you with me now? Say amen. Be you steadfast. Well, for one thing, he's telling us to be firmly settled in our faith. Now, may I say to you tonight that when it comes to your faith, it ought to be anchored on the rock of ages, and your tent stakes should be driven so deeply that no wind of false doctrine will shake you whatsoever. You are to be firmly settled in your faith. It's like Paul said in Colossians 2, 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith. He also said in Colossians 1, He spoke of continuing in the faith grounded and settled and not being moved from the hope of the gospel. In other words, he's saying that we should not be easily deceived, that we should be someone that is firmly settled in our faith, that we're to be people that have a rock bed Faith. We are to be sure and we are to be settled in what we believe. This we've seen it all through Corinthians. For example, chapter 12, verse 1. Notice what he said there. You remember this? And we started this section, and it's a section that has to do with spiritual gifts. And just like in our day, in Paul's day, there was all kinds of confusion about spiritual gifts. All kinds of distortion of spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth. And it begins chapter 12 by saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. It begins that section there, the spiritual gifts, saying to them, I don't want you to be ignorant in this matter. I don't want you to lack understanding about these things. In other words, what he was saying to them was that he wanted them to know what was true and he wanted them to know what was false. And he wanted them to have a proper understanding of divine truth. They were to be rooted and they were to be grounded and established in their faith. They were to be sure and firmly settled in their faith. Now you listen to me tonight. One thing that we have tried to be through the years and one thing as long as God gives me breath and as long as I'm here is that we're going to do our best to be a people that is firmly settled in the faith. There's a lot of areas I don't have any wobble room and I make no apologies for it. There's some things we got to be settled in and there's some things we got to be firmly settled in. And oh, I think about this matter of being firmly settled. Like Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to say to you tonight that uh, when, when the ignorance of things of God in the biblical truth is, 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 is the reason we are not firmly, many are not firmly settled in their faith. When it comes to be firmly settled in your faith, there cannot be an ignorance of truth. That's why you've got to know what God says. That's why I take books of the Bible and work through it. There could be more dynamic ways of approaching things, but I'm not here to be dynamic. I am here to ground you in truth. And the best way I know, how just go through the Bible and just work through the Bible so that you know what God says. But I'm amazed at the ignorance you find in churches there. I was watching not too long ago that program, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Do you ever watch that? I like to watch that. And I was watching it one night, and they asked a Bible question. And I don't remember what the Bible question was, but it was a simple question. I remember it was a very, very simple Bible question. And the contestant that was asked the question, he had to use a lifeline to answer the question. He had to poll the audience. And this is what blew my mind. When they polled the audience, they were split over who had the right answer. And I thought about when I I saw and thought, poor old fellow, don't you know the answer to that? And I thought, don't that crowd know the answer to that question? And then I got to thinking, but I want you to understand, there's a lot of ignorance when it comes to the word of God. And it's not just on who wants to be a millionaire. There's a lot of ignorance in our churches. In fact, I came across a thing where these were actual responses that were given by children in Bible classes. For example, this is one answer that was given. The first book of the Bible is Guinness, and which Adam and Eve were created from an apple. Another answer that was given, Noah's wife was called the Joan of the Ark. This was another answer that was given. Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night as she may have been I she may have been but uh, the Bible does not say anything about it Another answer was that Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments Another answer was the seventh commandment is thou shalt not admit adultery I thought this one was good Joshua led the Hebrews in the Battle of Jericho. I like that one, don't you? (laughs) Solomon had 300 wives and more than 700 porcupines. (laughs) I think about it. I heard one time about this new pastor that had dropped in his Sunday school class. hadn't been in his church very long. And he dropped in his Sunday school class, and he was going from class to class uh, quizzing the students to see how effectively they were being taught. So he walked in this one Sunday school class and he asked this boy in the class, he looked at me and said, son, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? And the little boy said, it sure wasn't me, preacher. (laughs) And the preacher looked over at the teacher. He said, is this a sample of what you are teaching? And the teacher said, now, pastor, hold on just a minute. I've known this little boy all of his life and if he tells you he didn't do it, he didn't do it. (laughs) Well, the preacher, he... Was upset so he went to the deacons and began to talk to the deacons about the matter and finally one of the deacons spoke up and said preacher I don't see any point making an issue of the matter. The board would pay for the damages to the wall and write it off as vandalism That's about the way ignorance is but I won't say to you tonight Bible ignorance leads to an unsettled faith Every child of God ought to be a Bible student You should know what the Word of God says and know what God meant when He said it. You should be rooted and grounded in the teachings of the Word of God so that you will not and cannot be deceived. We are to be steadfast. Be ye not uh, deceived. We are to be firmly settled in our faith. But look at something else about it. Not only firmly settled in our faith, but to be forever settled in our faith. For you see the words, be you steadfast. The tense of the words indicates that we are to continually be settled in our faith. To be permanently settled in our faith. In other words, we're to be constantly growing, learning and coming to understand the word of God. We should be settled and every day becoming even more settled. Now I confess to you as I look back through the years, I have changed my mind about a lot of things. And I look at things a lot different now than I did uh, 27 years ago when I started. And there's a lot of ideals that I have today that that I didn't have back then and some of the ideals I had back then that I don't have today. But I want you to understand there's some things I believe as much tonight as I did the day I got started and I believe them even more. For example, salvation by faith. You're not saved by works, you're saved by the grace of God, and that's the only way you ever get in the family of God. Eternal security, that's a settled thing in my heart. You take the deity of Jesus Christ. You take the deity of our Lord. Listen to me. It bothers me when I hear people talking about uh, the man upstairs and things like this. No, 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 no. We've got a Savior that is God and that became flesh and dwelt on this earth. The deity of Christ is something settled in my heart. The infallibility and the inerrancy of the Word of God is another thing. Those things are settled and they're even firmer settled in my life tonight than they were when I started years ago. I'm talking about being forever settled in your heart. Paul said, be you steadfast. Don't be easily deceived. Don't let things that come along deceive you. Be you grounded in the word of God. Can I get an amen there? The second thing he says. Not only does he tell us and say to us, don't be easily deceived. But second of all, he says, don't be easily defeated. For not only does he say, be you steadfast. But the second thing you hear him saying in verse 58 is be ye unmovable. Now look at that word for a moment. It's basically the same word as steadfast, but yet there's a greater intensity here. And the word denotes being immobile or being motionless. It's a compound word. If you drop the letters U-N off of it, just took the word movable, you get our English word kinetics from it, which is the branch of dynamics treating the changes of motion that are produced by forces. Or we get our word cinema from it, which is the moving pictures. But yet when you add that little U-N to it, it's talking about being unmovable in the face of those forces. When he talks about us being unmovable, not only being steadfast, that is being firmly settled in your faith, but also be unmovable, he's talking about not being subject to outside agitation or outside forces or outside influences. Or if I can put it this way, don't let what goes on around you defeat you. Don't let the circumstances of life knock you off your feet. Now, I've heard people say this before. Something distressing happens in their life. Something disappointment comes along. And this I've heard this, I've heard it once, I've heard it a dozen times. Oh, I don't even know if I'll go back to church again. That's exactly what Paul's talking about. He's saying, don't let the things that happen around you knock you off your feet. Don't let what happens around you or even to you defeat you. He is saying, be ye unmovable. Now, the very fact that he uses the word would imply to us that there are outside forces that will try to defeat us. And there are outside forces there that will try to knock us off our feet. But he says, hey, look, be unmovable. Don't let what goes on around you stop you from doing what you ought to do. Don't let what happens to you or happens around you defeat you. Now, I think of a couple of things that could happen around us that could uh, knock us off our feet. For one thing, I think of the difficult times of life. Now, if you do not know this by now, let me give you a word of warning. Life is not always going to be a bed of roses. Somewhere there are going to be difficult times to deal with. I think about what James said in James 1-2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now the word temptation that he used there is just another word for trials. He's not talking about a solicitation to do evil, not the world appealing to our lusts of the flesh, and so forth like that. He's talking about trials, talking about trials. But you notice what he said in James one two: My brethren, counted all joy when you fall into divers temptations, not if you fall into divers temptations, but when you fall into divers temptations. He's saying the issue is not what to do if trouble comes, but what to do. When trouble comes, he's saying, You mark it down, they're going to be difficult days in life. The word divers there is a word that was used to speak about a multicolored garment, different colors, different colors of thread in that garment. He's talking about the many different kinds of trials, the many different ways that trials can come in our life. James is saying, We may not be certain how the trial comes, but we can be certain that the trial will come. Now, here's the issue tonight when a trial comes in your life, are you going to raise up your hands and call it quits? No, say amen. At <laughs> least he's in the service, say amen right there. <laughs> he's a listening a whole lot better than some of you, amen. Just the wrong answer there. <laughs> well, that's good. Amen. God, I'm glad somebody's with me, amen. But when trials come, are you going to raise a white flag and just quit? Or are you going to go on with God? He's saying to us, there will be difficult times in life, but be ye unmovable. Don't let the trials knock you down. Don't let the trials cause you to quit. Don't let the trials give you, cause you to give up. Be unmovable. Just stay in the task. I think about the difficult times. Take for a second of all the dry times of life. What do I mean by dry times? If you've been a Christian for some period of time, you know you're not always going to live under the spout where the glory comes out. There are times that God is real. And there are times God, and some of you may understand this and some of you may not, but sometimes God can be as real as the person sitting right beside you. And there are times that heaven kisses the earth, but there are those times when heaven becomes brass and it seems that God is a thousand miles away. And his blessings seem as rare as a rain shower in a desert during the summertime. But here I ask you the question: Do you serve God because you feel him? Or do you serve God because you love him? If you only serve God because of what you feel, then you'll be up and down, in and out, on and off, hot and cold. You serve God because you love him. You serve God. Now it's no misunderstanding. I like it when God is blessing. I like it when we're experiencing the showers of blessing. I like it that way. But it's not always that way. There are times in all of our lives where we've gone through that period that our life is as dry as the Sahara Desert. And we thank God, where are you? Have you forgotten me? Do you even care? Dry times. It can defeat you. But here's what he's saying. Be ye unmovable. You serve God in the good times. You serve God in the bad times. You serve God when things are going good. You serve God when things are going bad. Don't be easily defeated. Don't be easily deceived. Be steadfast, firm in your faith. Don't be easily defeated. Be ye unmovable. Just stay in there and just keep on keeping on. Are you listening to me? Just don't give up. You keep on keeping on. Look at the third and the final thing. He says to us last of all, don't be easily discouraged. Notice what he said in verse 58. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, here's a verse of scripture that ministers to my heart. He talks about our service. He talks about our labor for God. And it has been well said that we do not get tired of the work, but we get tired in the work. And that is so true. But Paul encourages here not to get discouraged in the work of the Lord. Notice the work that he describes. One, he talks about an abounding work. Now, this is interesting. We are to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. You see that word abounding? It speaks of doing that or that which surpasses what is required or what is necessary. Now, you think about it for just a moment. Be always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know what most people do when it comes to serving God in their church? They do only what they have to do. They do what is required. They do what is asked of them. When Paul talked about abounding in the work of God, he's talking about doing more than is required. He's taught that which surpasses what is necessary. It's not a matter of just doing your job, just fulfilling your role. He's talking about abounding in the work of God. Going beyond what you're asked to do. Going beyond what you're required to do. Going beyond what is necessary. Abounding in the work of God. The word labor that he uses is very interesting. is a word that means to toil to the point of being weary. This is not a matter of giving a few minutes to God. This is a matter of giving time and energy to God that sometimes can be even tiring to do so. Now I ask you, are you giving this kind of work to God? Are you giving to God? I mean, are you just wrapped up? I've got this job, and this is what I'm going to do, and no more. Or are you saying, it doesn't matter what I've got. I want to give as much as I can to God. Going over and above what is required. It is an abounding word. But you notice the word always there, always abounding? You know what that is saying to me? That I'm to always be abounding in the work of God. That my whole life is to be given to God's work. That no matter whether I be 44 or 64, I am to be abounding in the work of God. Whether I be 64, 74, I'm to be abounding in the work of God. Always abounding. It's an abounding work. But look at this. Second of all, it is an awarded work. You ever get to the place you don't feel like you're doing any good and you're not getting anywhere? Do you ever feel like that as a Sunday school teacher, as a singer, as a preacher? Do you ever get to the place you don't feel like you're doing anything? I've been here as... As we've been celebrating through this day, this is my 14th year. It was 14 years ago, this day, that I came to this church. And these have been good years. And I can't complain. I am happy about it. And during the course of these 14 years, there's only one time, one time, that I considered leaving, and that was a year ago, January. And you know all the story. And it wasn't that it was unhappy. It wasn't that you folks were not good to be. I'm still waiting on you to get the airplane, but as far as that, you've been good to me. And it wasn't that I was not uh, happy here or didn't love you or didn't feel loved or whatever there. But you somewhere you just get to the time, uh, maybe you feel like I've done all I can do here. And I've given and I've led them to a point, now it's time for somebody in to take them from this point and go to the next point and me to go to another place and go to the next point. You see, we all get in.